Romans 8, 16, if you're there, say amen. amen. The Spirit, that's that Holy Spirit, that capital S Spirit, the Spirit of Almighty God. This is what He's doing right now in these moments. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Oh, I can remember a time <laughs> when I didn't have that witness of the Holy Spirit and others would be getting a blessing and others would be rejoicing and others would be understanding what the Spirit was saying and I didn't know what that was. But I'm thankful tonight and I can sit in a service like this and the Holy Ghost can identify Himself in my soul. Hallelujah. Look at verse number 26 now. And our thought between verse 26, 27, and 28. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Notice these words. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now notice this last verse in great detail. And we know that all things work together for good. Now some people think that there's a period right there. There's no period. Look at it again. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Comma, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We find here in these verses tonight a tremendous thought. It's been expressed even in the songs that the choir has sung. How that before we were even formed in our mother's womb. How that before that we even gathered the first thought in our mind. Before we took our first breath on this world. God looked ahead and saw a cross that we would need. God knew what we needed before we even knew that we knew anything. God knew that you and I would need a Savior. God knew that you and I would be born into this sinful world with a sin nature. And that He knew that we needed something that we could not have ourselves. We could not earn ourselves. We could not buy ourselves. We could not influence our way into His good graces. And in these verses, again, I would remind us that Paul in these chapters, Romans 6, 7, and 8, he's given a great amount of personal transparency. He's being very honest, which I think is tremendous for us to do. I think it's time that we need to hang our halos up out in the car and just come in and be real about this thing and that we need God more than He needs us. And that He is perfect and that we are not. But don't be mistaken, that's not an excuse. That is not an excuse to sin. It is not a permission to sin just because we're in this human body. But, but because He is perfect, we have a hope in one who can do anything above what we ask or think. Paul is giving us a great hope in this, this, this great preacher that we know, this apostle, this, this pillar of the first century church, this planter of churches, this writer of Bible. He says, I don't even know how to pray. 
Paul. Yeah. Paul, are you, are you really sad? Paul says, I, I, I find it hard sometimes. I'll get down where I am, whether I'm in shackles, whether I'm in prison, whether I'm amongst the saints, whether I'm laying at the bottom of a pile of rocks where they've tried to stone me, whether I've been beaten and I've got stripes upon my back, and whether I'm locked up in stocks in a prison cell. And I know that God is using my life, and God is allowing me, and God is speaking to me, but I find it so hard sometimes just to get down and pray. And ask God, I, I find it hard. Why? Because we are in this sinful flesh that we mentioned this morning. But I'm glad that we can find some things in these verses really quickly before I get to the main thought. Notice in verse 26 and 27, the understanding of the Spirit. The understanding of the Spirit. It is a silent prayer that the Spirit of God prays for us. It is outside of our hearing. We do not know exactly what the Spirit of God prays for when He prays for us. It is silent. It is in the glory realm. It is above our pay grade, if you will. Uh, He's praying things for us that we cannot conceive of. It is not just a silent prayer, but it is a searching process. He is searching our heart. He is inside of us. There is no pretense that we can face Him with. He knows it all. He knows our intention. He knows our processes. He knows what we mean and what we don't mean. He knows us better than we even know ourselves. There's a searching process. But then there's the sovereign plan in God's will. In God's will. Look at the verse 27. For the saints, according to the will of God. There is this understanding of the Spirit. Now let me just give you a couple of little things and we'll get right into the message. I, I want us to think tonight about prayer and our prayer life. Our prayer life that we have. As we approach a day in prayer. As we walk through a day. That's what, that's what 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says. says. Pray without ceasing. Uh, This is what Ephesians 6 is talking about when he tells us of the whole armor of God that is for our battle within prayer. That is when uh, Matthew chapter 5 when he instructs us to go into our prayer closet and shut the door behind us. It is our prayer life that he is highlighting here in these verses. There's the understanding of the Spirit. But listen to this. There's There's the unanswered prayers. The unanswered prayers. James puts it this way. James chapter number 4, verse number 1 through 3. You can mark them down if you're not quick enough to find it. From whence, James says, from whence comes war and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? That's what we talked about this morning. Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war and yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. First of all, there's the unanswered prayer. The prayer that will not be answered is the prayer that is not prayed. Guaranteed. You don't pray a prayer. That prayer is guaranteed not to be answered. He says you have not because you ask not. And you have not because you ask amiss because you're pray- praying selfishly. We, we, we pray to consume upon our own lust. And sometimes God's answer is no. Hey, we ought to take, a, we ought to take a, a, a page out of that playbook, Mom and Dad. It's all right to tell them no. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Fact of business, probably, that's probably one of the things that they say earliest 
because they hear it so much. No. <laughs> there is the unanswered prayer. And then I would say this, there is the unaccessed prayer. There's the unaccessed prayer. Those are the things that we could have that we don't ask for. Those are the blessings that lay just outside of our reach if we would only pray. Those are the things that we could have but we don't pray about them because, I don't know, maybe, maybe we think like we're asking too much. Maybe we think that we do not deserve these things. Maybe, maybe it's because we don't believe that God will. And God help us maybe believe that He can't. Come on. These, these types of prayers. But when I look into these verses, when in verse number 26 He said, We know not what we should pray for as we ought. I have this thought, things that I never prayed for that God just did. Things that I've never prayed for that God just did. A couple of weeks ago, in fact, back during vacation Bible school, our, our preachers polo, our Bible commentators polo, about 16, 18 preachers on there, I don't know, they kind of come and go, and some of them come on there, and some of them don't talk, some of them don't. And, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I was out at Miss Angel's spot out there one evening before vacation Bible school started. I, and I, and I had, I've been thinking on this thought and I couldn't get it off my mind. And I thought, I, I, I need some help. I'm stuck on this. I'm just locked up. I can't, I can't get away from this thought. And there, there's so many things that are running through my mind. And I just put it on the old polo. I said, fellas, I got this thought. I don't really know what to do about it. And I, and I can't really get I can't really get the doors unlocked and the windows opened of the scripture. I, I can't, I'm just kind of I'm blinded to this. I don't know what to think about it. There's things that I didn't pray for. That God just did. Oh, they had no trouble. Boom, boom, boom. Well, what about this, brother Adam? I thought about that. First thing I thought of was this. What about these three things? What did they do? Levi Nix. He's just like eight things, you know, he's just that away. Like, I'll tell you what you can do. And then the first thing he knows, he I got a series. I'm not preaching a series tonight. Amen. But I want, to, I want to give you a few little things tonight, if you're with me. I, I want to give you a few little things tonight that the Lord's helped me with in these days. Of things that I did not ask for. Things that I did not ask for. One of the first ones that popped up there, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Brother Mark or somebody like that. But one of the first things that popped up there was Ruth. Ruth, if we go to the life of Ruth, that little Moabite woman, that little Moabite widow woman, uh, she, she's a, a, a foreigner back in a land of the birth of her husband that, that had passed away. And, and she's there with her mother-in-law and she's coming to a place where she does not know the people and she's freshly on the, the trail of a God that she's just now beginning to believe in. And, and she's a, a, a girl who possibly does not even know how to pray. She's probably never heard prayer done the right way. She, yeah, she doesn't know all the cliches and she doesn't know all the these and thous and she doesn't know what to pray for much less how to and she finds herself in the corner of a man's field named Boaz she never prayed for Boaz she was just operating under the instruction of her mother-in-law who, would, who was following what the law would allow for a sojourner, a stranger to come in. There were to be provisions made in the corner of the field, a little hands full on purpose, not so they could prosper, not so they could have riches, not so they could have a claim, to, just to survive another day. And she came to a field just looking for some scraps. And she left loaded down from the man who owned the field six measures of barley he laid upon her oh he provided he gave a supply that she never prayed for yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He gave a provision. She worked silently in the corner, but she caught the eye of the one who owned the field. <laughs> and what did she do? She came and went humbly to his feet. She not only got the provision, she got the person. Amen. She got the owner of the field. <laughs> and not only did she get the person, she became his wife. And she was no longer a scavenger, but she was the owner of the field. She never prayed for that. God just went ahead and did it for for, amen. And can you think about all the things that you are supplied with day in and day out, every meal, every bite, every drink of water, every dollar, how much of it do you actually pray in? God just does it anyway. Woo! I never pray for all the supply that He gives, but He just gives it to me anyway. Man, oh, she was just trying to scavenge. And she sought to be amongst the servants. And she became a great-grandmother to the king. She never prayed for that. God just did it. Amen. She couldn't even conceive of that. I don't even belong here. I'm a foreigner. I'm amongst these people. I'm an outsider. But God put her in the lineage of the Son of God. She never prayed for that. God just did it. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I give you another one? Elijah never prayed for Elisha. Elijah never prayed for a protege. Elijah never prayed for a helper. Fact of business, he's on his belly. He's saying, God, just let me die. It's enough. Oh, Lord, just take me on out of here. I'm all by myself. I'm the only one that's serving you, it seems like. I've been here lonely, Lord. Oh, they're after me trying to kill me. He wasn't even praying for help. He was praying to die. And God said, you're not the only one. Get up, son. I got 7,000 more waiting on you. And in fact, the business, you're fixing to train your replacement. I want to give you somebody to mentor and to pour into. And he's going to serve you and carry your bags and wash your hands. And he's going to be there to take your spot. Amen. Elijah wasn't even praying for it. He didn't even know he needed an Elisha and God gave him one. How many people are in your life you prayed in? How many people are in your life that you never prayed for? I just want to thank God he's not here tonight. But I thank God for Brother Matt Stevens. I don't say about a lot, but Brother Matt's one of my best friends. And in 2015, when we came to camp, I got to meet Brother Matt for the first time. And God just knit our hearts together. And one night, when we were at the lowest of the low, and my wife was sick with cancer, and she was gone through so much personally, one night, about 11.30, Brother Matt got it on his heart, and he just sent me a text message and said, Brother, I don't know what you're going through, but the Lord just put you on my heart to pray for you. I never prayed for Brother Matt specifically. I wasn't praying for God to deliver me through a man like that. But by the end of a conversation the next day, Brother Matt had passed my name along. And two weeks later, I had a job in North Georgia. And I got to be a part of a church family that I never even dreamed I'd get to be a part of. Oh, God gave me people I never prayed for because he knew I needed them better than I knew myself. Whew, hallelujah. Sit there if you want to. I'm going to have a spell over this, friend. I'm telling you what, my friend. God has done stuff for us so good that we never prayed for. Oh, he's given us supply of provision and of people and of places that we never prayed for. And I don't want to bring it down. I don't want to, I don't want to make it sad, but 
God also gave me suffering that I never prayed for. I never prayed to suffer. But He sent it. He gave it. Think of two main people in the Scripture. Job, the obvious. Job, the man who never one time, I believe, as he went and he sacrificed and poured out those ashes before the Lord. I, I can imagine that he never went before the Lord and said, Lord, would you please cause all of my children to pass away in one day? Lord, Lord, would you cause the enemy to come and steal all of my livestock and all of my substance? Would you just take it away in a day? Lord God, would you strike me with sickness from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet? Give me oozing boils. Would you do that for me, Lord? I can imagine that Job never prayed for a trio of so-called friends who would come and rake him over the coals as he sat there in his suffering. I guarantee you he never prayed for that. Job had no Bible. Job didn't have the Holy Spirit. But I tell you what Job had. He had a God who was on his side behind the scenes. And what did God do? God gave him back and restored him. Restored him. But I tell you what Job never got. He never got an explanation. Do you imagine that Job once in a while would have said, Lord, what about that all those years ago? Why did that have to happen? Job never got an explanation. Though he might have asked for it sometime. And you may never know what your suffering was for. But I tell you what Job's suffering was for. It's so that we could read about it. It's so that we could see a man who went through the lowest of the low. And know that there was a God who was in control the whole time. What about the Apostle Paul? Chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. He said... God knew I was prone to pride. I, I, I could be lifted up so easily because of all the things that God has shown me. So, so I, I, there was a messenger sent from Satan. A messenger of Satan who came. A thorn in my flesh. Paul didn't pray for a thorn. He prayed for the thorn to be taken away. And what did God say? No. You may pray for your suffering to go away. And God may say no. He may follow that up with these words. For my grace is sufficient for thee. And Paul, he had an advantage over Job. Paul had Bible. Paul had the Holy Spirit. And even in his suffering, God was able to use him and turn his heart toward him so that Paul would not become bitter and turn his back on God. How easy it would have been for the Apostle Paul to finally come to a point in his life and say, Lord, all I'm doing is trying to serve you. All I'm doing is trying to follow you. All I'm doing is trying to live for you. And bad thing after bad thing after bad thing keeps happening to me. I quit. I quit. These people aren't listening. These people are dead. These people are dried up. They do not care. But Paul didn't do that. No, no. He understood something that you and I should take note of. And that is that sometimes God may send suffering in our life. Why? So that we may see Him as our source. We may see Him as our supply, as our someone who never leaves or forsakes. But let's get back to some good news. Amen. I think about the spiritual things that I never prayed for. The spiritual things that I never prayed for. Hey, go with me over here to the Old Testament. 2 Samuel chapter number 6. Go with me. Y'all all right? Take a deep breath. It'll be over here in just a minute. Amen. 
We're going to rip that Band-Aid off. It's going to be great. You're going gonna, gonna, gonna to feel better when it quits hurting. Now, this is not as bad as this morning now. I'm trying to be easy. This, that was bad news this morning. I'm trying to be sweet and give you some. Amen. Come on. What happened over there in 2 Samuel 6? Now, now two things happened. One of them is a lot more famous. 2 Samuel chapter 6. This is when uh, David, King David, put the Ark of the Covenant on the back of a new cart like he saw the Philistines did. That's the part everybody knows about. They're going over on that threshing floor and the Ark gets unsettled and Uzzah goes over and puts his hand on the Ark. God kills him, strikes him dead, splits him in two. Look, look, look at 2 Samuel 6 and look over in verse number 10. So David, well, back up to verse 9. David was afraid of the Lord. I bet I would be too. How about you? Hey, it might already come a time where we get a little bit afraid of God. Oh, but he's my friend. Yeah, uh-huh. And he's also the God that split us in two for doing something he shouldn't have been doing. We might already be a little bit afraid of him. I don't know. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Do what? Who is Obed-Edom the Gittite? Well, he ain't even a Hebrew. He's not a Levite. He's not a priest. Who in the world is Obed-Edom? I don't know. But the ark of the covenant is sitting in his living room. Look at it. Look at verse number 11. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom. And all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the home of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. I'm telling you, when Obed-Edom is accounted here in the word of God, I, I, I would challenge you to look and see if there's any evidence that Obed-Edom, the Gittite, ever prayed that the ark of the covenant would come and stay in his house for three months. That the most important article in all of the earth, the most impactful, Powerful piece of furniture that's ever been is in his living room. He never prayed for that. We don't see anywhere where he petitioned to King David and said, King David, I know you got troubles. I know you got trying to figure all this out. Won't you just let me hold on to that Ark of the Covenant for you? I take real good care. I don't see anywhere where Obed-Edom prayed for the Ark to come to his house. The place where the presence of God came and dwelt with men. The place where the mercy seat was. Where the blood was sprinkled for the atonement of sin. Where the Spirit of God was on this earth. Obed-Edom didn't pray one time for that to happen. But God just blessed his house. Why? Because his presence was there. You know what I think about? You know what I think about? When I was a little boy and God began convicting my soul. I want to thank God he convicted me when I was a child. I want to thank God he didn't let me get out in the world. I want to thank God he didn't have to pull me off a bar stool or jerk a needle out of my arm or scoop me up out of the gutter or out of a drunk tank. I want to thank God he dealt with me young. I want to thank God, though I knew nothing of soteriology and I knew nothing of eschatology. I couldn't give you five verses proof text on the baptism of water or the spirit. I couldn't tell you nothing about nothing. All I knew was I was an outsider. I was one who was cast away. I was one who didn't deserve anything. But I knew I didn't want to go to hell. That's 
Oh, I knew I needed to go. I needed to go before that Lord and repent and say, God, I'm a sinner. Would you save me? And I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea what the presence of God would mean in my life. I had no idea what the Spirit of God would mean to me. I had no idea He'd be my comforter. I had no idea He'd be my teacher. I had no idea He'd be my corrector and my and my and my counselor. I had no idea what He would do for me in the darkness of the midnight hour. When I had nobody or nothing When I didn't have a prayer I had the spirit of God I didn't pray for that when I got saved He just gave it to me anyway I didn't have sense enough to pray for all that I didn't know what God would do When he gave his presence Into this old house right here Oh There's some things I didn't pray for But he just went ahead and did them anyway I thought about this I thought about the secret things that God has done for me that I didn't even know He was doing and I still don't know He did them. And I may not even know till I get to heaven all the times when the tread wear on that tire couldn't quite handle that curve and I was taking it in. But somehow or another, God just scotched it up and kept me in that curve right there. And He made me slow down for some unforeseen reason. And I got ahead and there was a wreck. I never knew why. I didn't even know He did it. But He was doing things on my behalf in secret that I never prayed for. That's the God I serve. He's working behind the scenes. He's fighting my battles in the prince of the power of the air. He's doing for things for me I don't even know to pray for. And I may not know till I get to see him face to face. But by then, it ain't going to matter. <laughs> oh, there's some things I never prayed for that God just went ahead and did. Amen. What about the solutions? What about the solutions? I don't know about you. Probably just me. But when I pray to God and I've got a problem, it used to be that I'd come to Him with a full laid out pre, uh, PowerPoint presentation with schematics and spreadsheets and all kind of uh, scenarios and a bracket of this people is here at this place at the right time, then these three things can happen and God, everything will just work out. He says, oh, that's so nice. That's so pretty. We're going to give you a gold star for your bulletin board, but we ain't doing it that way. Is that just me? Probably just me. You ever offered God a solution to your problems? <laughs> there's one thing that I know there is in heaven. I don't know about everything's in heaven. There's laughter in heaven. You know why? Because the father looks at the son and says, <laughs> did you hear what he said? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. He's trying, though. I'm telling, look at it. He's trying. He's up all night. He's worried about it. He don't even know how we're going to do all this. This is going to be great. It's going to blow his mind. <laughs> when God, yes, sir. When God, he's laughing, right? He's stomping his foot. That's hilarious, son. Tell me again how this is going to work out. Tell me again how you got this all figured out. Tell me again everything that's got to happen just the way you think it is. Tell me again. It's like old Naaman over there in 2 Kings 5. Naaman the leper. Oh, he had a little servant girl. He's covered lepers. He's, he's a powerful man. He's a rich man. Had that little servant girl, that little Jewish servant girl. She said, oh, Lord, have mercy, Mr. Naaman. Boy, if I could get you to my preacher. If I could get you to my preacher. My man of God, son, you wouldn't have to worry about that leprosy. Yeah, yeah. Who is this? Go, to, go down there to the prophet. Tell him, tell, just tell him you need to see the prophet. Yeah. So Naaman goes on down there. 
Prophet won't even come out of the house. He's eating breakfast. He's eating sorghum and biscuits. He says, uh, tell him I said go dip in the Jordan seven times. Prophet, prophet, prophet said, prophet said go, go dip in the Jordan seven times. Right. Dirty old muddy old Jordan. I got clean running rivers where I come from. You telling me I got to go dip in the old muddy Jordan? That's what he said. Yeah. That'll never work. Man of God, I know you know a lot and you've seen a lot of things, but that right there is not going to work. Is that right? Why don't you go try it out? And he come up shouting, yeah. Yeah. clean skin like a baby. Why? Because God's got the solutions that we don't seem to pray for. That's right. God's got solutions. In John chapter, John chapter 9, Jesus comes across a blind man. I love how Jesus heals blind people in the Bible. He always heals blind people different ways. Sometimes he speaks. Sometimes he touches. And I, and I can see that. I mean, he's got the power of creation in his lips. Those are the lips that said, let there be. And everything that is came to be out of nothing. I can see him saying, be healed. See. And blind eyes are open. I, I can see him touching I can see him touching and that powerful touch. I can see him just like doing a Benny Hinn. Oh, I can see Technicolor. I can see that, but not in John 9, 6. Jesus comes up to this man. He says, uh, so you're blind, huh? Come here for a minute. Let me daub this in your eyes. What is that? Don't worry about it. What are you doing? Huh? You'll see in a minute. <laughs> now, Brother Josh, here's what I'd like you to do. Next time you go to see your optometrist, your ophthalmologist, whoever gets your copay, you tell them, say, hey, Doc, I was reading the Bible the other day. Let's try something. And run that by him. He's going to refer you to another ophthalmologist. And he's probably going to refer you to an institution. Yeah. Why? Because that doesn't make sense. That doesn't seem like it would work. Sure. That solution just cannot come out of that method. But see, God's not interested in our ideas. Right. He wants us to be interested in His plans. And we may be praying for something to happen a certain way, but God's got a whole other way of working that we can't even understand. And we look back and go, Shazam, did you see that? I wasn't even praying for that. I was just praying for this little thing. And he did this big thing. Why? Because we don't pray sometimes for the right solutions, but he just gives it to us anyway. I won't preach some more, but I'm about wore out. One more little thing here. How about service that I never prayed for? How about service that I didn't pray for? Esther never prayed to be queen, but God gave her a throne. David never prayed for it, but God gave him a kingdom. Abraham never prayed for it, but God made him a people. John, the beloved, didn't ask, but God made him caretaker over his own mother, Mary. Can I be honest with you? 
I didn't ask to be a preacher. Not one time. In fact, I was the one saying no for just almost 14 years. I didn't ask to be a preacher. I didn't pray to be a preacher. In fact, all the really good preachers that I know, all of them say the same thing. Man, if you can, if you can live without doing it, don't do it. Every good preacher that I know just about said, oh, Lord, at first. I see what pastors have to go through. Who do you want to do that? People stabbing you in the back. People say they love you, and then they turn on you, split churches, and, and, and cause division. Why, why, why would I want my kids to be underneath that kind of microscope? Why would I want to submit my wife to that kind of scrutiny? Why would I want people to accuse me? Why would I want to study and study and study and pray and pray and get up Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, and people just sit there and go, why would I want to do that? It's a question I ask myself a lot of times driving away on Sunday night from a church. But you know what? He doesn't always ask us if we want to or not. And we don't always pray for service. But sometimes He gives it to us. And according to the truth of the Word of God, His callings are without repentance. And he's ever calling. He don't quit calling. Amen. I don't know who that's for tonight. I wasn't even really planning on saying that. But he may be giving you something that you ain't praying for. He may, give, he may be giving you a calling that you are not interested in. Listen to me. There's so many things about our lives that God does for us that we never pray for. Why? There's things that are happening to us now that we weren't alive to pray for when they got set in motion. Deuteronomy said, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you houses you didn't build and cities you didn't build and wells you didn't dig and olive vineyards and, vine and all that you didn't, you didn't plant. I'm going to give all that to you. And a few hundred, and then like a long time, years and years later, in Joshua 24, it happened. People that weren't even alive, people that didn't know that, people that were underneath the blessing of God that was before they were even born. He said, and I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them, and the vineyards and oliveyards which you planted you did not eat. Hey, listen, friend, you and I, though she's, a, she's, a, she's floundering and she's faltering, you and I are reaping the benefits of generations hundreds of years ago who not only fought and died and bled for this country, country's freedom and not only fought off enemies and tyranny but there was a group even before that that made a trip across the treacherous waters to a place they didn't even know if it really existed to come and to worship God as they saw fit there's things that we didn't pray for because we wasn't allowed to pray for them we didn't know we're living off of the prayers of other people Brother John Daddy said it was about in the last year somewhere or another. Right around the time Miss Jessica was starting to feel better after all that mess with the surgeries and recovery and all that stuff. He made this statement in this pulpit. He said, I believe I'm being carried more by the prayers of others than I am by my own. And I could stand and say, that's me tonight. That's me tonight. I couldn't have prayed all this in. I couldn't have prayed every good thing that God's done. I couldn't have prayed myself out of harm's way. I couldn't 
There's things that I didn't pray for that God did. Paul said over in 1 Corinthians 15, it gets misquoted almost every time I hear it. And people mean well, and it's there, you know. They say, I am what I am by the grace of God. But that's not what that verse says. The verse reads, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And every good thing that's ever happened to you that you didn't pray for is because of the grace of God. And every bite of food you never prayed for is because of the grace of God. And every drink of water you never thanked Him for is because of the grace of God. And that house you're living in that you look at and say, golly, this thing's falling. That's the grace of God you're living in. That car out there is the grace of God you're driving in. Them clothes you're wearing, that's the grace of God that you're wearing tonight. Hey, that family that's sitting around you, that's the grace of God. You couldn't have prayed your life this good. Hey, listen, friend. If it was up to you and how you would have figured things out, you wouldn't be here tonight. Your solutions would not have worked. Your supply would not have worked. But God did things for us that we never even prayed for. The psalmist said in Psalm 68, 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Oh, he gets up in the morning, and by the time we're awake, by the time we've hit that snooze button two times, he's already got a pallet jack full. He's already got a dump truck full. He's already got a pickup truck full. He's already got a flatbed full. He's already got a pantry full. He's already got a gas tank full. Amen. He's already got a table full a pantry full. He's already got a family of God full. He's already filled us up. We ain't even prayed yet. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all His benefits. What about you? What about the things that you've never prayed for that God's done? I know you never prayed for that suffering. But you can look back now and say, it's Him that brought us through. He alone can get the glory. He alone is the one who held my hand. He alone is the one that paid my bills. He alone is the one that fed my family. He alone is the one that got me that job. He alone is the one who's blessed me every which way I turn. Amen. But I'd remind you, in her scripture tonight, in verse 20, 28, it's under condition in some cases. Look at it now. Now people say the love of God is unconditional. Well, that's true. But look at this verse right here. We know that all things work together for them. Good for them. I, can't, I ain't got my glasses. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Stop right there. You ain't loving Him. He ain't got to do nothing for you. And He does it anyway. To them who are the called according to His purpose. That's saved, folks. But you know what? God does things for lost folks too. Brother Adam, do tell. Okay, I will. Romans 5.8 But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, that's right. That's 
Let me give you another one. Psalm 136 verse 25. It says, And he feedeth all people, for his mercy endureth forever. It doesn't say all saved people. It doesn't say all Jewish people. It doesn't say all American people. It doesn't say all people who live right and walk right and spend right. It doesn't say that. It says all people. You know what that means? He feeds atheists. He feeds communists. He even feeds Democrats. Why? Because His mercy is so much better than our thankfulness. His mercy outruns our thankfulness a million miles. His grace outstrips our thankfulness and our willingness to bow ourselves and to humble ourselves beneath His mighty hand a gazillion miles. I can't remember who said it. I heard this in recent weeks and that's just in my brain up here and it rolls around every once in a while and it comes around and I say, hey, there it is. Heard, heard somebody say this. That our prayer life ought to be like this. That we ought to pray in pencil and hand God the eraser. And say, Lord, this, this is the best. I'm, this, is all, this, this is the best I've got. You fix it. And that's what he does. How do you know that, brother? It's because of what verse 26 says. The Spirit also helpeth with our infirmities. He looked beyond our fault and saw our need. He looked at how many times we'd fail and He went ahead and loved us through it. He looked at us and saw the wickedness that we'd creep back into. And He loved us anyway. And the Holy Spirit the whole time is operating on our behalf. And we don't even know what we ought to pray for. Oh, He maketh... He, for we know not how we ought to pray, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I, I picture it this way. I picture it this way. When I get down to pray... And I pray for people and I pray on my lists and I pray for our church family and I pray for our missionaries and I pray for dear friends that are like family and I, and I come down to the other side and I pray for that list of lost people and I pray for those prodigals and I pray for that longer everyday list of sick people and I pray for that list of, of widows and widowers. And I say, Lord, I, I don't know what they need, but you do. And then I bring to Him things that I'm praying about and I'm concerned about. I bring Him my children. I bring Him their futures. I bring Him our household. I bring Him the ministry that He's entrusted me with. And I say, Lord, I don't know how all this is going. I couldn't even imagine it would turn out this way. And you just did it. And I didn't even pray about it this way. And sometimes I just lay there and moan. Sometimes I just lay there and cry and weep. But he knows what that means. Oh, yeah. And I, I just picture it as if the Holy Spirit's just got his hand on my back. And as I'm just laying there crying and I'm just laying there moaning before the Lord. that he says, he don't know how to say it, Father. But, oh, but we know his heart and we know what he really means. And we know how important it is to him, Lord. But we know what to do. He don't see how it can work out, but we know the end from the beginning. 
He'll look back and it'll be something he couldn't even understand. But Father, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Down here on the bottom of his list. Down here, he's got all these people he's praying for. He's got all these important things. He's got all these life events. He's got these children who are growing. He's got, he's got all these things that he's praying for. Down here, that, that thing right there on the bottom, he never prays for that. It's on his list, but he never prays for it. He thinks it's too much. He thinks it's being selfish. He thinks it's something he don't deserve. Let's just do that for him. He ain't praying for it, Father. Let's just pour it on him and blow his mind. <laughs> oh, let's just do it for him because we love him. <laughs> you can think about it any way you want to, but I think it's something just like that. And I can't tell you how many times that the thing on the bottom of my list, he just poured it to my doorstep. <laughs> oh, he's proven himself trustworthy when I don't know how to pray. He knows how to answer. <laughs> when I can't see the way, he's already got the solution. When I'm coming up one side of the mountain, he's got a ram coming up the other side. When I can't see how it's going to end, he's already got it figured out from the beginning. Amen. It's the God I serve. But there's one thing that cannot and will not come without prayer. And that's salvation. Amen. I don't care what Vadi Balkum says or John Piper. Amen. The heretics. John Piper's a seven point Calvinist heretic. You ought to throw his books in the garbage. Amen. Amen. And that, and that idiot David Platt He's a heretic too. You had to cut him off your radio and throw away all and cut and, and, and just. Uh, he's a heretic. You know why? Because all of them believe that people are going to be saved whether they ask to or not. There's a lot of things that you may not pray for that God may do for you. But if you're lost, you'll never be saved unless you come and pray. You cannot. You cannot, you cannot be saved by having some passing thought in your mind. You cannot be saved unless you call upon the name of the Lord. The good news is, just like all this other stuff, God's already provided a way. You didn't even know that you needed it, but you need a Savior. You didn't even know until recently when God started dealing with your heart that you were headed to hell. Oh, now, Brother Adam, it's Sunday night. Some of y'all are on my lost list in this room. You will not be saved unless you pray. God's not going to do that for you without you praying. Let's stand to our feet. Sister Julianne, would you please come? You've been patient listeners. I apologize if I've gone too long. But I believe I've obeyed the Lord tonight. Now don't get nervous. Don't get antsy on me. Don't get out of here. The sun's not even down yet. What's He done for you? What's He done for you? You didn't pray for it, but He just did it. Oh, my list is too long. Here's the sad part about it. He'll do it for us and we'll forget to thank Him for it. 
What if He only gave us what we prayed for? We'd all be starving to death, naked, homeless. You know what we might ought to do? I don't know. You just mind the Lord. It might be that you just need to come and thank Him for the things that you, He did for you you never even prayed for.